It's a fact you're not here. You ain't even real, but you still bring me fear. You make my bones so tired that my soul stands up. But now I'm starting to need to bleed to fill this cup. It's like I'm starting to need to bleed to fill this cup. Oh. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Working Wing Podcast, the podcast where every week we watch an episode of The West Wing and break it down from our own unique perspective. My name is Tim Schultz, and joining me, as always, my dear friend, longtime debate partner, and a man who makes Louis Brandes look like William Rehnquist, Killian Collins. Thank you, Tim. Your your references get more obscure every time. Yeah, makes, but- me, makes you want to do a little bit of research. <laughs> Basically, I just looked up. I had already used Clarence Thomas, so I looked up a list of like most conservative uh, uh, justices of the past century. Clarence was number one, but then uh, Rehnquist was uh, number two. I'm very surprised Clarence Thomas was number one. I'm, I mean, like I I'm should... on the past hundred years. Of the past hundred, <laughs> probably like, but like honestly, of, of like historically, we we are looking at a very conservative court. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think you have to go back to like like pre Civil War like Dred Scott Court and yep. shit like that <laughs> like, to find a more rabidly right wing group of justices. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the Bugalo Boys like to use those statistics just to be like, "Yep, it's on the way. It's on the way. Yeah, it's on the way." Um. Anyway, Tim, it's it's good to see you. Uh, it's good to see you through this uh, rough week of uh, another very conservative or at best libertarian uh, SCOTUS. Uh. We've just watched the 15th episode of the first season of The West Wing called Celestial Navigation. That's right. Which I thought, oh, wow. I thought of a little ship, like, you know, flying through the stars, you know. It's the good ship. It's the good ship Seaborn, you know. The good ship Seaborn. Captain Seaborn. With the the Seaman Sam. Ready ready to, uh, you know, drive this ship to paradise. That is the ship called America. Uh, we started this episode off with uh, Josh uh, is backstage taking a very distressing phone call, uh, and he's about to get on stage for something. And he's getting a distressing phone call about uh, about Mendoza. Uh, Mendoza being the judge who's uh, supposed to be up for uh, that open spot in the Supreme Court. Yeah, he States. is the yes, he is the nominee. The nominee has been arrested. Yes. for drunk driving in Connecticut. Yes, yes, Gillian. What a shame that this uh, that this Hispanic man was drunk driving with his family out on the safe streets of Wesleyan, Connecticut. Shameful. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, going- but wait. <laughs> or was he? Or was he? Um, yeah, but it's Josh about to go on for this before this lecture series that this guy is giving an announcement for that only nerds and you know college students in Georgetown like would actually watch. Uh, Sam tells CJ the news about uh, Mendoza, and Toby comes in to hear it. Leo says that, uh, okay, well, what are we doing? Like, we got to call his lawyer, got to keep the media at us, we got to make sure this is under the rug, and this is going to be an easy transition for the president. Uh, tells him, keep him in the loot, and then Sam and, Sam and Toby are going to break him out. Now, I found this a little funny because, Tim, there are, we both know this, that there are alternatives for, like, if. If, like, an important, like, you know, for example, a Supreme Court of the United States yes. nominee gets arrested for yes. some crime. This is more handled like Vince McMahon gets a phone call in the middle of the night and goes out to, like, upstate New York with, like, a suitcase of cash. Like, like this isn't this isn't a situation where I think you need to do all that, though. Right. Like, and, and also, too, it's, well, I also get to the point of, like, okay, so if he doesn't even have his lawyer yet, 
how the fuck did the White House know about this? Like, did the cops like? Call yeah, that's them? actually that's actually a very good question. That is a yes, actually, that is a very good question. Like, because that I, is a very good question of of if his lawyer hasn't been called and he hasn't been given a phone call. Or I, I guess maybe if he was arrested and he got a phone call instead of calling his damn lawyer, he called the White House. Yeah, or his family and told them to call the White House and his family or something like. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, because his wife is still out there, right? So. No, yeah, his, he said it, he said he got arrested. He said he got arrested with his wife and his son watching it. Yes. So you know maybe they already knew and like maybe she, maybe his wife talked to the White House. Okay, we're maybe, uncracking this. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're, un, we're unspooling the web that Aaron Sorkin has weaved. Yeah, those are those inconsistency questions. That yeah, we're looking at you. Um. Anyway, uh, Josh proceeds to go on go on stage at this lecture series and talks about his dream job from hell, uh, about like all the little mistakes that move on through this. It's like, ah, oh, you'd think this would be easy. I think this is just my dream, but ah, uh, it's it's a lot harder than that, let me tell you that. Yeah. Um, so the thing I noticed about this scene is how big the turnout was and how young the turnout was. It looked like a Jordan Peterson. It, like, it, it did. And it's like, well, I, obviously I did not go to school in like Washington, DC, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, the, the, besides like the 20 kids who had to be there for like an upper level poli sci class, I don't know why there was anybody here or like old people from around the campus. Tim, I'm sure you went to a lecture or two outside of, outside of class, like for, for a class not, in college. Not really. Not really. I went to some pretty shitty schools. Like we weren't really doing like, like all of that. I guess there were a couple times, but like usually like during lunch when I was already on campus. All right. Well, Tim, at UW Milwaukee, I've gone up to like lectures that I'm like, okay, this, this might be interesting. And I've gone to them outside of class. And to your point, Tim, there were only like fifteen people in there. There you go. Like, and maybe only seven of them like were in there for like you know were in there for class, and the rest of their class like refused to go there. Right. So. Yeah. For like easy extra credit, but they don't show up. Exactly. Exactamundo. So I mean, yeah, Josh does really well. I mean, this is a part of that Eric Eric Sorkin. Sorkinson lie of like nerds are so popular. Exactly, it's that's all, exactly what I was coming. Yeah, exactly. Once you're in Washington, or once you're in, you're in New York, or once you're in LA, man, like those girls are gonna appreciate that writing and that brand. Yeah, like oh my god, like they're gonna look at you like you're Rob Lowe. Like oh my <laughs> god, like you're like you're ready to be like a like uh, like a dental tooth model, which I'll get to that too. While Josh is uh, talking about his dream job, complaining about his dream job on uh, national television. Uh, the staff is drilling, or not, not, is it on national I don't television? think it was television. It was, it was, it was I sincerely series. hope not, because I have another note later about <laughs> his, like, infosec. Uh, he practices. shouldn't be recorded. Like, that's, that's, that a lot of this show is, or a lot of this episode is showing me that Josh should not be recorded. Uh, the staff, anyway, is drilling CJ on uh, her next pre- press briefing. In, like, a very insulting way. Yes. Like, yeah, these two bozos are like, please explain exactly what you're going to say to the press. And it's like, Guys, she's like the most confident member of the administration. By far. Her absence later today unspools your entire fucking agenda. So, lighten up. Right, and it... it as, as... Yeah, you're totally right. But anyway, um, as the as the press... As a little, like, uh, drilling press briefing, like, ends up, or devil's advocate press briefing wraps up, uh, she uh, CJ mentions that she's got, she's got toothache and she's going to cancel her dental appointment because she's got too much shit to do. 
Uh, Sam, played by Rob Lowe, uh, mentions about how much he appreciates and loves dental hygiene. Yes. And insists insists that she go through with this appointment. Uh, then Matter, then uh, Mandy comes in with an uh, bringing up an unflattering article, uh, basically laying out that. Uh, I'm not sure if it was one senator was basically accused, like just saying another one was just like you're just you say some racist shit. So basically, it was it was, she wasn't a senator; she was the secretary, the House and Urban Housing and Urban Development Secretary. Uh, okay, the HUD. Okay, the HUD secretary. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I think this guy was just being like super racist. Yeah, and she's and she said, well, I, I, apparently, so she didn't even call him a racist. She said that he was like doing this and that and then he was like are you calling me a racist and she was like if the shoe fits right right so just kind of right which that line got everyone up in arms about what a bad line it was and like unoriginal and not clever and like and also apparently at the same time incredibly offensive and hey i don't even see how that line is that bad i'm like oh yeah okay that's a that's a comeback you know she didn't like, I mean, she didn't like, it wasn't like, oh, snap. It wasn't but like, super original, but like, it's, I mean, she, yeah, it's, 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 it's a classic. Made, yeah, it made her point without like, outright calling him a racist. I don't know. Right. Which you the don't rea- to, yeah, the reaction is weird. Which you don't have to do because I think her whole point of that whole thing is to, to say like, well, your actions suggest this. Like, do you want to like have any, do you, is there anything you want to say because of these actions? Like, you, you know, just... Yeah, I'm like, yeah, you should look at your actions and think about whether that makes you a racist. And remember, it's a really nice way of saying it, actually. Same thing with all this fascist shit and everything. It's like, they may act differently. They may say all these different things, but the what they are doing makes them a fascist. Yes. And what you do makes you a racist. Like, it doesn't matter how you say it. It doesn't matter how polite you are. It doesn't matter how nice you are to your kids. It's, it's, the, it's the actions that you, that you commit to yes. and you stick with. But anyway... Uh, so that's that's brought up, and that's like a B plot of this whole of this thrust of this episode. Uh, so we get, we get back on stage, and we see that Josh is kind of telling the story of like what had unfolded the past week with uh, with uh, with the Supreme Court nomination. Well, not for the Supreme Court nomination, but uh, with basically this um, CJ getting the toothache and them having to manage uh, the secretary of. Uh, was it was it Secretary O'Leary? Is she the head of the? Of the is she the secretary? Yeah, of the Secretary HUD? O'Leary. Is yeah, the HUD so, secretary. so so basically, this this he's basically taking on this whole issue about Secretary O'Leary and what's going on with CJ, and he's talking about that during this lecture series. The president sees the unflattering article, and he says, "Okay, well, we gotta like, you know, we gotta we gotta take this on one way or another." And then he does his little he does his little signing of things. The press asks him for a couple questions. He takes a couple questions. And he starts, and Wayne gets asked them. He throws her under the fucking bus. Absolutely. In an absolutely outrageous fashion. Yes. Says an apology would be appropriate. Which is harsher than what he said to his fucking drug addict uh, chief of staff who was caught being high while on the job as labor secretary. Didn't even make him apologize. Didn't even make him apologize. So not even I, so just, I love you, buddy. I got your back always. But you, bitch, you better shut the fuck up, or else I will fire you. It's like you gotta be so sensitive about like race and stuff like that. We're trying to move. We're trying to move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's ridiculous, and like so. I think one of the larger points I teased out of this episode that I think is still relevant is that like 
this is like the neoliberal point of view being put forth here. Yeah. Of like being nice and being polite and getting along with the other side and not calling things out when you see it is way more important than like actively pursuing change or raising awareness or any of that. Right. And I think that they do this because they they somehow think in their heads that like, well, they're going to remember us working with them. Right. And they're going to be accommodating and they're going to be responsive to when we want to put something out and they don't fucking realize that, no, uh, they hate you and everything that you stand for. If if you said the sky was blue, they would say it's yellow. And like you can say, don't sink to your level. But what I hear is let's fight these people with one hand tied behind our bag. Right. And, and and using the other one to punch ourselves in the face. Exactly. So, like, I I I, I really don't say it, it's it, it it really does scream like I don't want to quite say controlled opposition because it just because I do think that like yeah in the end these people just believe a, an unworking strategy right. works and well, like and I feel like yeah like like it does come from like controlled opposition exactly like to them to like the neoliberals to like the rich white dudes who hold the reins of power on either side. They have way more in common with each other than they do with, like, the broader population. Very true. Even if you, like, disagree on certain issues, like, that it doesn't actually matter to you. Because on the big thing, a.k.a. making as much money as possible, you guys are all working in lockstep. Wasn't it Reagan that said that after 6 o'clock we're all friends? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I, I think, like, yeah, the neoliberals are just as guilty of that as, like, the, the Reagan conservatives. Just about. Just, just about. I can, I can agree on that. Um, during, uh, right after that, uh, Josh gets a phone call uh, mid lecture, and not only acknowledges it and like says like, "Oh, I'm getting called." Doesn't silence his phone. Says, "Oh, I'm going to answer this on stage." Yes. Oh my god. Can it's you all? Give, can you all give me a minute? <laughs> not even to go off stage. Not even talk. to go just to go a few steps away and talk loudly on a cell phone. It's, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. I can't imagine being in the audience. And he like, you like. Takes the time to like take off his microphone and then just walks a few feet away. Like I like, what, like why like, I know why like one of those poor kids wouldn't just scream boo. boo. Yeah, like, like get off the stage. Get off the stage. Um, and and not only that, it wasn't like it wasn't anything important. Like the president has uh, the, the assassination attempt has just been attempted on President Bartlett. Like that, I, w- I would understand like getting a phone call about. Nope. Nope, it is just it is just Toby and Sam updating lost on the him on their lack of progress. Yes, right. right. When when Josh can't do anything to uh, do it, yeah, Josh can't do a damn thing about it anyway. It's like guys, guys, we, we can't find we, we guys. We need to like delay this this part of the story until after the episode, till the end of the episode. So I mean, we just can't find the highway. I mean, oh, uh, Leo, uh, Leo gets angry at the person who called out O'Leary. Uh, well, no, no, no. He gets her angry at O'Leary. Oh, that oh, that was O'Leary. I think so. If it's not, then I'm wrong. But uh, they did, they weren't very good at establishing like who the fuck was who there because all I saw was this woman like yelling at Leo about like yeah he was a fucker what I mean, he was a racist. So I think this must be like o- O'Leary or Wooden Wooden Wooder or whatever the fuck. Wooden. Yeah, wooden. I think Wooden. Yeah, I think Wooden is the senator. She 
insulted, and O'Leary is the HUD secretary. Yeah. And, well, basically, all that happens is that Leo says, like, well, you, you owe him an apology. And she says, no, I'm not going to fucking apologize for it, like, for calling a racist a racist. Yeah. And also, too, if, like, you make me up, if you, like, it's like, yeah, if you fucking, like, do this whole thing of a democratic order thing of, like, hey, like, you have to do it for the good of the party, for the good of the president. She just says, like, okay, uh, but he's going to fucking lord it over me, like, for the rest of my career. If that happens, and he says, "Well, that's just the cost of doing business," you know, right, right, because yes, like the racist and sexist slights that she's going to receive from this man are just the cost of doing business, right? Sure, uh, Leo, right, you like, know exactly what she's going through here as yeah, a part of doing business, right, right, the cost of doing business to <laughs> you, your career, yeah, and like you know, you, you know, all the racist and sexist slights Leo has had to endure in his business career Mm -hmm. it's all just business you should just grow up it's fucking it's fine this entire scene is fucking sickening and then it ends with one of my least favorite moments possibly in the entire show all seven seasons where leo just like tells this black woman about what her grandfather told her do you know what i'm talking about He's like, you forgot what your grandfather taught you. And she's like, what's that? And she's like, you should never argue with an idiot. And it's like, (laughs) yeah, this old white man leaning back and telling this black woman about what her grandfather taught her is truly like like a stomach-turning moment. It kind of goes back to that one episode where Toby was talking to that one senator, and it, it was it was that gun control one, yeah, where he basically says like, "Please don't fucking lecture me." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm exactly." Be, no, it's the exact man. same thing, except yeah. except she just takes it and agrees and smiles because it's because it's a man because it's because Le- it's Leo talking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when Richard Spencer tells you something, you fucking listen. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Richard Spencer's Toby. My apologies. No. uh... John Spencer is Leo. Richard Schiff. Is Richard Toby. Schiff. God damn. Look at me mixing up actors' names together. Y'all are doing a great job, though. Y'all did a great job. Anyway, we then cut uh, We then cut from that uh, awful scene to uh, CJ giving a briefing that things will be fine. I'm guessing this is pre-root canal. Uh, but I think she just kind of gives like the basic like one-two. Like her, she, does, she does her thing. She does the kind of like... Does, yeah. does her one of her last press conference briefings. Then she gets her root canal and she comes back with her Mouth all numb and full of cotton balls, and says like, "I can't even talk anymore." Yeah. So, and um, here in a real administration, I'm like, "Okay, no problem, CJ. What if your like six deputy press secretaries will totally step in and handle this?" Indeed, a deputy. <laughs> That's press why you secretary. have so many goddamn deputy press secretaries, right? Right. Well, not not in Aaron Sorkin's The West Wing. No, that goes straight to the deputy deputy chief of staff, Josh. He's nice and like mayo colored. It's fine. He's nice and mayo. He has colored. a Harvard degree and he's colored like mayo, so he's got to be ultimately competent. And of course, he doesn't have like a huge head and think he's like always fucking right. Of course and not. Like try to like lord that over above other people. He has a perfect analysis of his understanding, just like most successful white men. So, Josh. Josh volunteers due to the briefing. CJ brings up obviously that he's hostile. He's a piece of shit. Uh, he's an <laughs> idiot. Uh, tries to d- even Danny even Danny O comes up before he goes on the press briefing and tries to warn him that maybe you don't want to do. Maybe you should play out in your head how this could go. Yeah. And of course, Josh just bulldozes him and doesn't fucking care. Um, he proceeds to start off this press conference by berating them. And treating them like children and that they need to be managed and that he is going to be the one to do it. Yes. And have them. And uh, 
the first question he gets is about the president, uh, is about if the president smokes or not. Which I, I found this entire line of questioning to be uh, inherently offensive. Yes, I know uh, you would especially, Because, <laughs> I mean, I, I immediately thought of you because, like, as it was revealed later on that the president bummed a smoke for a friend. He, he asked a smoke. He asked to bum a smoke for someone for his friend. Yeah, for a friend, of course. For a friend, obviously, obviously. Which I mean, but I only it made me think of Tim because if you know Tim, if you ask him for a cigarette, if he has one, he'll give it to you. Of course, of course. I am always a cigarette uh, giver. Not, 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 not close under twenty one. <laughs> no, never. Obviously, of course. Anyway, uh, <laughs> that's right. It is twenty one now. Yep, it is. God not, damn not, it! Not, not, not our good old Getting days. Getting harder out here. <laughs> not for us, no more. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. Josh proceeds to like kind of like you know throw that question aside and say he doesn't really need to answer that, which of course the press starts to like. Danny starts to keep questioning, like, "Well, it's a perfectly legitimate question. Like, why why are you hiding that from us?" And yeah, to Danny which, gets this like shit-eating grin on his face about this whole situation. Yeah, yeah, Danny's having a like you know having a like tear the wings off a fly type yes, of, like vibe. Yes, absolutely. Like, oh, oh, like, this is like this makes me think of like journalists. Who like got into journalism in like in like the fifties and sixties with their parents being working class people who are like, yeah, I want to do this job just to like fuck politicians. I want to make them sweat. I want to get up there and ask a question that's going to make them look like a deer in the headlights and go eyes blah 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 And that's what I really love. That's what I think a good journalist should be. Is is that person who has the question in the back who's going to make the fucking teacher go like ah? Especially when the teacher is a graduate of Harvard and Yale. Yes, and and announces immediately that I know more than you. Yeah, and we're going to have you listen to me, and that discipline's going to go on. Anyway, uh, he can't answer. He, uh, another person starts starts to ask a question about like inflation. I, I'm not sure if it was Danny asking that question about inflation. Was it him? No, it was uh, it was a woman named Katie. I okay. think. Okay. He she asked this uh, a, a smart a relatively smart question about of like, like of like yeah, unemployment is down, but uh, when people have more money, inflation goes up. So how are you going to counteract the inflation? Yeah, is there any is there anything to do with that? To which Josh can't even answer this fucking question at all. And decide and decides to sarcastically kind of respond like, "Yeah, yeah, of course." The president's got a secret plan to fight inflation. Yeah, which you know, then all of all of these, all which of is the pretty whole, funny. Yes, it is. It is. It is funny because because the press corps proceeds to just uh, swarm him like piranha. And CJ, you see in agony, taking more pills and trying to like numb herself out of like what pain yeah, she's going to be in. She wants to fade for sure. Yes. Um. The girls compliment Josh. Okay, uh, yes. And then we go back to uh, the little lecture series, and they take a break. And Josh is slaying. Yes. Like, every 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 line out of his mouth gets a laugh. Yeah. And, like, there's girls complimenting him in the lobby, which yeah. is like, of course, Aaron Sorkin. Of course, uh, yeah, Aaron Sorkin really does have this whole, like, idealized nerd in his head. In his head. I'm just like, oh, you're a writer. You're oh not, my God, oh you're my God, writer. you're not a loser. Oh, my God. Like, how many times you try to be like, oh, my God. So... Uh, he gets on the phone again, and he gets on the phone and sees uh, Toby and Sam's progress, and they found the police station. Uh, we have Sam Seaborn marching right into this police station. Big dick swinging. Yes, um, and he goes up to this. He goes up to this uh, the sheriff's deputy, and he says that I work for the president of the United States, and you have a man back there who you need to release. You're gonna give me Mendoza. <laughs> Which I mean, mind you, this man's the fucking speechwriter. 
Not the attorney general, not not like a general, not like it, it, he's a fucking speechwriter. Yes, yes, indeed. And he's telling these like he's telling this like sheriff's deputy like, or, or a person who's might have to see some action, might have to see like something. And he's telling them like, no, you're going to release that person back there who you charge with something right now. I don't give a fuck who I, you know, because you know why? Because I work for the president. Yeah. Then anyway, we get a uh, Josh, uh, Josh. We cut to Josh telling the story, the story about his last week, and Josh is sweating off uh, that secret inflation plan. Yes, and uh, he, yeah, he looks like a dead man walking. Uh, Donna's saying like, "Well, what the hell happened out there? Like, you just fucked this all up." And he's like, "Yes, I did. And I fucked yes. this all up." But the key thing, Josh is white privilege. Josh can only fail upwards. Yes, he won't lose his job. Not like Leo. Not like like well. <laughs> I mean, Leo didn't lose his job. No, that's what I mean. He won't even get any, like, he won't even, like, have any consequences for no, that No, he won't have even the slight inconvenience that Leo experienced. Not for this, anyways. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, Maybe in 30 years when Donna finally writes her book or whatever, people will start asking questions. Anyway, but, uh, as the staff is berate, as the staff starts kind of berating uh, Josh uh, justifiably, uh, Sam comes in with more bad news involving Mendoza, saying... Saying that, like, Mendoza criticized the president. Mendoza doesn't tolerate this neoliberal bullshit. Yes. He doesn't tolerate it. He was, and and the, it's funny because they're just like, oh, he criticized the president on, on like, one thing where I'm like, doesn't, like, everyone kind of criticize, like, any politician at the yeah. thing? Like, it's like, yeah, like, I, I imagine there's been, like, a couple justices that, like, Trump appointed that have been like, oh, I don't, I don't agree with him on this. But he's still like, well, fucking I'm going to appoint him because it's still going to give me these brownie points with the party and still fulfill my agenda. Which I mean, like, yeah, I would figure, like, if you're trying to like get this not this nominee in, like, who the fuck cares if like if they're gonna criticize you? Might as well just be like, a, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a president that can handle. Like, I, I got thick skin. Like, right. Yeah, yeah, he may disagree with me on the he may disagree with me on a couple of the issues, but that's what I am. I'm here to work across the aisle with people who want to work with me on these things. Yeah, they may criticize this about me too, but I picked them out, him out because he was the right man for the job, and I'm willing to stick to that. That's a that's a strong willed thing to say. That's not backing down as opposed to just like having to be so fragile. That like oh any any criticism whatsoever of your policies like anyone being critical of you n- any dissent needs to be shut down yes where it's like or it's like oh I'm not going to help you politically unless you agree with everything I, I say or you have to fake that well I think I think so I think there's two different things because it doesn't really like like Bartley can't do anything to Mendoza at this point no. anyways no uh. I think, like, Toby's concern when he goes and talks to Mendoza later on is, I can't get you confirmed if you're, like, just throwing out haymakers on every single issue that comes up in, in, in America leading up to your confirmation. Which is kind of fair. That is kind of fair, but if he's just criticizing the president on like one thing and Well, they they had a whole yeah, it wasn't it wasn't yeah, I think the president was just on that one thing, but they had a whole list of things that he had like criticized. he had criticized the AFL CIO, he the had bar concerned, association. Yeah, he had concerned like the New York State Bar uh yeah, the, the yeah, the American Bar Association and the uh New York State Legislator. Slater. But they might be doing some things. He like, wouldn't they be doing any things that like some reasonable person might disagree with? Yeah, I'm sure they were all valid criticisms. I think I think their point was just when you're up for nomination, when you're up for confirmation on an important position like the Supreme Court, sometimes you have to shut the fuck up. 
Oh, is that the good behavior? No, <laughs> the I, it is. Part of it? It, it's bullshit. <laughs> it's like, it, it, well, it's all part of like this neoliberal ecosystem that we were talking about. Yeah. The same reason why you can't call a racist a racist. You can't call the AFL-CIO AFL for like being in, in the corporate pocket more often than not. Yeah. Or the Bar Association for being nice to prosecutors or... All, all of things, all of things that are that are reasonable, and I'm sure that like if someone else was criticizing them on the other side of that, on the other side of that was dissenting, like I'm sure they'd also be fine with it. Granted, if they weren't up for the nomination, but it's just this shit of like, oh wow, you decided to speak your mind. Well, anyway, because uh, it's just strange because like President Bartlett does seems like he's pretty popular enough, and he'd be able to handle a little bit of criticism. But hey, that's that's what that's what's how this is going. Uh, Toby walks into Mendoza's jail cell and we see him, uh, we see Mendoza and like this, like <laughs> he mentions that it's like the, the, the cops saw me, Joseph Mendoza, right, ready to rob your house. And it's like, yeah, you are wearing like a turtleneck. You do look like the capper. <laughs> like you do have like, no offense to oh. you. It just, it's, it's like the fact of like, it's all oh, black. Man. It's all black with the turtle. Blaming from, the victim, man. I, I know, Tim. I know. I, I know. It's like I don't. I wouldn't arrest the guy for like trying to burgle a house, but I'm just like, well, he does look like he was that. <laughs> look at the way he was for, dressed for, for, for a judge. A yeah, ju I mean, I feel like that's kind of how judges do, right? I mean, most <laughs> of the time he's just like wearing a little black robe. He's got like a sensible turtleneck underneath there, so the collar doesn't shave. Like. <laughs> I, would, I mean, he was on vacation antiquing with his family. That, that is so. a kind of wild costume to be wearing antiquing. But then again, like, like being in because I feel like it was it was winter. Yes, it was winter. So I feel like I feel like a trip to Canada and the East Coast is like a wild place to be vacationing in the winter. Yeah, I mean, Grant, and they would have taken his winter coat if, if he's in jail. So yeah, that's fair. That's also true too. So, but I I just thought that was a little funny because he did. He just had like the the the, tur the black turtleneck was kind of like oh that's an extra touch. Uh, uh, then we have uh, we cut to Josh being on stage talking just talking up Charlie about like how he has to like how this young man has to endure everything including waking the president up when the president's like on three hours of sleep. Right. Well, I mean, thinking about Charlie's life makes me so stressed out. Yes. Because this boy is not getting paid either, or like he's getting paid like not worth like, the money, less than like I make an Amazon. Yeah. To do all this shit. And the way this phone call went was just him saying, like, you know, him him giving him that wake-up call and saying, hello, Mr. President. Him being really gentle with him. And Bartlett going, like, why the hell are you trying to call? What the hell do you need? Who's yeah. dead? Who's dead? You yeah. don't have any idea what time it is right now? He's like, well, Mr. President, I'm going to make sure make sure like, you have a meeting at 7 o'clock in half an hour to make sure you get up, get, get, send you down some breakfast, make sure that they get in the shower, we're going to set you right up. <laughs> to like which Barla does like does not like res like responds like a fucking teenager. Uh, but then Charlie, I like Charlie's final line where he's like, "Mr. President, I need you to dig deep. This is not a nightmare. You are actually the president, and you need to get out of bed." The whole thing makes me so stressed. I imagine that's like what Charlie tells himself every goddamn day. <laughs> it's not a nightmare. I work for the president. I just wanted a bike messenger job. Oh God, they trapped me in this. <laughs> I, I want to get out. I will so give bad. any of our. I, I hope our enemies like like send me a check to kill the president at some point because I can do it and I want to. I hope the day. sister <laughs> who I am like supposedly still raising remembers my face. <laughs> that whole situation is pretty wild, where I'm just off in Scandinavia for like multiple days at a time. 
hope someone's feeding her. It's fucking wild. Like, oh, I, Charlie. I hear this motherfucker like just go on about national parks. Like, looks like like uh, I could be like having dinner with my sister right now. You old fuck. I could be dating and starting a family and with your daughter. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's the only reason I haven't killed you yet, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, anyway, Charlie has to. Charlie then sees uh, with the butler uh, is outside the door with like his his um, room breakfast room service uh, ready for the president. And he says, "Oh, I don't hear the shower running. He hasn't moved at all." And Charlie says, "Oh no, I'm going in." And he proceeds to go in there and try to like shake the president awake. He proceeds to go in. And uh, poke the president in the way, sh- just shake him lightly. To which Bartlett quickly gra- grabs him like he's in combat mode and says, "Do you not understand, Charlie, that you've committed a felony right now?" <laughs> <laughs> which Charlie says, "Yeah, I think I'll take my chances, Mister President." So how did you not know the first lady would be in here naked? He says, "Well, because she's in Scandinavia or wherever the fuck she's at." Argentina. She's in Argentina. She's in Argentina doing humanitarian, uh, <laughs> probably doing humanitarian work. And uh, the, the president just proceeds to mess with him yeah. as he gets him out of there. Oh, I, this is a good scene. Yeah. I like this scene. It's cute. He pies the credit where credit's due. Yeah. Good scene. The, the, the scenes with Charlie and, and Barlett are always fun. Yeah, they and are. They have a good dynamic. Um, we have the staff uh, We have the staff uh, in the Oval Office uh, waiting on the president. Uh, they're talking about Mendoza driving down from Canada uh, because, you know, they need to have a word with him. Yeah. But Mendoza's in Canada with his family, so they're going to – Take a scenic drive from the East Coast. And it's going to take a couple days. Yeah. Um, Sam gets on his Rain Man shit real mm-hmm. quick with the uh, traffic. Uh, yes. <laughs> travel yeah. route. Yeah. Yeah. That he completely fucks up later. Um, <laughs> hey, you're right. Yeah. Sam, if you know the roads of like of like New England so well, why did you fuck up getting to the police station so, so badly? Long, so hard. Um, they and then once the president walks in there after his um, nightmarish. Uh, Nightmarish morning. He, uh, they tell him of the PR catastrophes that Josh all caused. Um, they bring up the secret plan to fight inflation that Josh brought up, and uh, he. They also inform of Mendoza's little disagreement. Uh, Mendoza is going to be coming down from Canada, and CJ is going to fix the press corpse. With Bartlett saying that, like CJ, if you hit your head and you're bleeding, and a buffalo runs it over, you're still going to do the press conference. Which I'm just like, well, maybe just have her deputies that she has trained yeah. all do that, as opposed to, you know, the boisterous piece of shit who's your your je- your, your entire deputy of staff. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's 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 wild. Yeah. But anyway, uh, Josh then sucks up to the president quick and informs him that he also said that, uh, yeah, hey, if anyone asks you about smoking, you, that you you bum that one for your buddy. Right. Okay, you don't smoke, sir. <laughs> just keep that in mind. Uh, Sam informs uh, Sam informs uh, the cop the cops uh, while he's while Toby has him in the cell that uh, Mendoza's got a health condition that prevents him from drinking. Yeah, it will it will completely fuck up his health. That if he does blow any legal limit on a breathalyzer, he'll already be dead. Which uh, to me seems like it's a little bit of a cop out. Like there is more of a conversation about like racial profiling and like the ways and means of it. Yeah. Uh, not that Mendoza should have been actually drinking or anything. But I don't like, think he was either. Like, but like, but like to make it so clear, like, no, this man cannot possibly drink and drive. Like, yeah, it's like, no, you, 
he can and maybe sometimes does, but like in this case, this guy was just being racist. Mm-hmm. And the, it should be noted that he did refuse to take the breathalyzer. He did. He did, and then because get, absent probable cause, it's a it's an illegal search and seizure. Yep, and that is exactly when uh, Toby asked him why he didn't take the breathalyzer. That's exactly what Mendoza says that it's unconstitutional, unreasonable search and seizure. I have the right to say no to that because the reason they were pulling me over is not is not because I was driving recklessly. They dr- they pulled me over because I looked the way I do. Yeah. And that is what he was trying to trying to get on about. And he was not. And he was kind of staying with that moralistic cause of like, no, I'm going to be like, I'm going to challenge this in court. Yes, and I'm going to win. Yeah, and I'm going to win. So uh, he says to Toby, he's like, I'm not going to walk out of this jail cell with you. Like, whatever strings you're going to pull, I'm not doing it. I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm actually going to let. I'm going to trust. Put my hands in the legal system of the United States. Which I would say, Judge Mendoza, please don't. <laughs> Judge Mendoza, please don't. That's not your state. They're going to fucking make an example out of you. <laughs> They're going to no, see Avery. He would have been fine. Yeah, he probably would have been fine. He has a great lawyer. Well, and he's not among the community. He's not like white. He's not like. Well, yeah, and also, and also he's a former cop and a former prosecutor, also. Yeah. yeah, it might be the type of thing where the DA of that, like, you know, whatever DA is assigned to, like. Yeah, the case, DA would just drop the charge. Yeah, it would just be like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, I'm, I'm getting, we're getting, like, the attorney general involved. Like, what the fuck are we doing yeah. here? Like, we're trying to bankrupt. He would have been, he would have been fine. But, but, yeah. Anyway, uh, Mendoza really was holding uh, holding that to account because he said that, well, my they, they, my son saw me get arrested and, like, drive me out to the squad car and drive off. Yes. Like, you're going to let, you're just going to let that, like, him grow up with that. And, you know, then Toby says these lines about, well, they're also going to see you as, like, a judge with, like, a gavel and, like, right. power. Like, it's like, you're going to be able to change all these things. And, like, this experience is going to shape you. I think that's kind of he didn't say that directly, but I think that's kind of implied that like yeah, like right, like have, having a judge on the court that's been that's been racially profiled, negatively, and been arrested for doing nothing, like might might have like you know that might be some progressive thing. I'm like yeah, we have we have a, we have a justice who, ex- who experienced racial profiling. Uh, but I think he does say Mendoza has a line here that actually plays into a lot of conversation that's been happening specifically over like the last like four, three or four years uh-huh. of like he knows what cops are because he watches TV. And like that's a conversation that we've really started having as a society over the past like three to four years of like how do we depict police officers in media? What kind of effect? does that have and like what kind of responsibility about portraying police do we have yeah no that's true it's uh, i mean wait because what what did mendoza say again because he said he said he said all right so so toby says your son sees you you know in a robe holding a gavel and mendoza says he doesn't get that though he doesn't know what that means he knows what cops are because he watches TV. Mm, so he sees SVU and says, like, right. oh, cops are Well, high. and, like, I think, like, they didn't go into this, but, like, from a modern 2022 perspective, you can say he knows that cops are the good guys and always right because he watches TV, which has been shot full of propaganda well, for, like, the past, like, 50 years. The way that you say it kind of makes me think, because he's, he's saying that, like, no, my son watches TV and he betrays cops this way. I know how that's portrayed, like on how cops are portrayed on TV, where they're always the good guy. Yeah, and if you watch like if you watch like SVU or you watch like Law and Order, which I mean, I, I mean, good show, but 
it is full of propaganda that does Copaga- say like, like explicit propaganda where like they the brutal the- cops are the good guys and the internal affairs guys are always the bad guys. Yes, and and like the prosecutor just doesn't have enough to get these criminals all the time. Like, it's just not in their favor. These criminals got so many advantages to get off these with this crime. These high-priced defense attorneys, oh, man. They got so these much snakes. Like exactly, it's a, it's oh yeah, like they do portray it like that, and that does have an effect on like yeah. Uh, so yeah, he made a good point about that too. Yeah, uh, like that, that's the other thing of like of like these episodes are rough. Like you and I disagree with like the viewpoint that Aaron Sorkin approaches these issues on, but I feel like the fact that all of these episodes are still so relevant are because Aaron Sorkin does have a good grasp of, like, the politics. Yes. Of, like, especially the interactions of, like, politics and media. Yes, that is, um, especially how it was changing in the 90s. Yes. Well, and I think he was, I mean, we can talk more about this as the series goes, but I feel like he really was shaping that, that intersection. With this show. Yeah, no, like I, this show was a huge runaway hit and yep. he was injecting his own specific neoliberal politics mm-hmm. into the mainstream. His rich writer, neoliberal politics. Yes. yes. Um, no, that, that, that's put pretty great. Um, anyway, um, at, after Mendoza mentions that, that beautiful point about his son and the influences that cops are going to have on him and like how, and how he's viewed as a criminal in the eyes of his son. Uh, Toby says that, well, I can't get you. I can't help you out if you go down this yeah. road like that. Like it's it's going to be a lonely fight if you do this. Right. To which Mendoza considers his options and says, "Yeah, I'll leave with you and you and uh, Sam." And as he's leaving, uh, you know, it's pretty much expected that there's going to be no report. There's going to be if there's no report, there's going to be no lawsuit against the county, and those cops just got to apologize to him. Yep. Institutional racism covered up. Yeah. <laughs> just just say sorry. Yeah. Just, just, just say, say sorry. sorry begrudgingly. Um. Then Sam, Sam, yeah, which they give a begrudgingly kind of shitty apology to which Mendoza graciously accepts. Sam, uh, Sam calls uh, Josh again on their cell phone to say, "Hey, it's over." To which Josh, you cut to Josh saying, "Good," uh, on stage again for a second phone yeah. call that he took on stage yep. to just you know put his mic back on and continue uh, talking on stage to that uh, you know to say he'll come back and tell them the story about how. <laughs> this, to, to this that, little bit of racism to, cover up to that work. audience full of twenty-two year olds, twenty-two year old women to his groupies. Yes, yes, all into that to the poly to that poli sci stuff. Yes, um, yeah, and that's the end of that episode. So that was uh, yeah, that was celestial navigation. That was celestial navigation, and I love that because like that, that image of like a ship flying into space. Uh, it kind of made me think of like you know the Challenger. Uh, just <laughs> bursting into flames on its way down with, uh, you know, that just became a tragedy. And it's like, yeah, it's not quite as tragic as that. But in terms of a disaster and how much you expected it to go from, like, what you see from the title, I was like, wow, um, this didn't go that way. Yeah, no, it's a beautiful title, but it is just named for, like, Sam's hubris. Yes. <laughs> it pretty much is. And then, like, just showing how, like, how fuck showing how fuck the men on this team are. Yes. Like entirely. Yeah. Like, 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 including even Bartlett to an extent. It's just like the only people on this team I really like on the staff that I really trust the most and I want on my team are going to be CJ and Charlie. 
Yeah, give me those two in a pinch for right. sure. Like for definite, and like, and even Maddie, Maddie didn't even do it. She just like brought in like the message of just like, hey, this is bad PR here. Like, oh, well, like you know, we might as well take care of this. She didn't even say shit about Mendoza. She was probably one of those people who were like, you know, what was Mandy even in this? Mandy, episode? Mandy, I only had Mandy in here just to bring in that bad news about um, O'Leary. Yeah, about okay. O'Leary. That was about it. She was in there bringing that up because it was kind of like, oh, there's Democratic in. Oh, oh no, no, oh, 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 oh. Democrats are fighting. Can't stop that. Stop that now. Um. All right. So yeah, what do you, uh, overall po- uh, thumbs up, thumbs down on this? I mean, it's a it's a interesting I'm gonna, episode. I'm gonna give it six out of ten. Six out of ten. Six out of ten. All right. I don't think we've ever rated them, but maybe we'll start. Yeah. Maybe we'll start rating. I'm in, I'm, in the, I'm in the middle about it, but I don't hate it because I had some good CJ moments. All right, I had some funny moments. Josh did a good job of his little monologues too. I'm gonna say, yeah, he, he did. Kept it, he kept it informed. So I mean, hey, I, you know, credit what credits do. He, he, he kept the episode interesting. If, I, if I had gone out there at like eight o'clock on the Thursday in college, I would have been happy. <laughs> All right. Well, that was another episode of the West Wing, and this has been another episode of the Working Wing Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. And if you have listened, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at our email address, which is workingwingpod at gmail.com. Or if you like what you've heard, please consider taking the time to give us a five-star review and rating on iTunes. Or just tell a friend. Really, anything we can do to spread the show would be greatly appreciated. Um, We'd also like to thank some of our friends for their generous contributions to our show. First of all, we'd like to thank James Kunka for his use of his song Back on Our Feet as our theme song. You can check out that awesome jam and more of James' work at jameskunka.bandcamp.com. And we also got to thank our friend Jennifer Much for designing our our awesome base logo. And you can see more of her work and contact her for all your design needs at jennifermuch.com. I think that's all for us. So until next time, keep working. Keep on working.